What's she listening to? The Young God Podcast. Please forgive me for interrupting your vibe right now, but I just had to shout out the legendary Young God community on WhatsApp. That is an exclusive group where committed, consistent listeners of the podcast gather to share their thoughts on the themes discussed. If you would like to connect with me and other members of this community, you can join the group via the link in the description of this episode or via any of the links on my social media at I am the Young God on Twitter and at the Young God Pod on Instagram. Do follow, do subscribe, do leave a review if you're enjoying this episode, share with your friends and fam. And now let's get back to the show. Hey God gang. Welcome. We're in the month of February, and you know what that means. The young God is in the mood for love and all the things that come with it. All month long, I'll be releasing episodes about relationships and matters of the heart, and uh, where else to start but with the infamous talking stage, the place where love stories die before they begin. The evil forest you have to pass through to get to the actual relationship. The boulevard of broken hearts and unrealized relationship goals. Yes. Yes. In case you don't know, the talking stage is that waiting room, that purgatory, where two people get to know each other before they take things further. Sounds harmless enough, right? But since about 2022, there's been a lot of chatter about the matter of the talking stage being an area of disappointment for a lot of young people. They are mad that they've been in one too many talking stages that didn't lead to something more. They've talked and talked with nothing to show for it. They've talked so much they might as well be customer service representatives. When a talking stage doesn't get to the next stage, they call it a failed talking stage. Failed. What a dark way to look at it. It's gone to the point where people are saying things like, I don't have another talking stage left in me. I hate talking stages. Miss me with that talking stage. Can we skip talking stages and jump right to the rest of our lives together? What is in the water? Why do people suck at getting to know each other? Off the top of my head, it could be that the dating pool is populated with underdeveloped people who harbor unrealistic standards and unrealistic expectations of strangers. It could be that everybody thinks they're the prize and so they think it's the other person's job to prove that they're worthy of them. They think it's the other person's job to entertain them, to make the conversation interesting, and so they get bored and things fizzle out. Or it could be that people are overly sensitive to the red flags and so they cut people off at the slightest flaw or difference in opinion. It could be any number of things. I could go on. But ours is a generation jaded by the work that it takes to get to know people. There are many reasons why talking stages fail. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if talking stages were fun and not a chore? What if you looked at it more like a process of seduction as opposed to a stage of talking? Personally, I think talking stages are a missed opportunity. In this episode, I'll be sharing a perspective that maybe you've never considered, but at the end of the day, will help you get more pleasure from your romantic endeavors, and dare I say, increase your success rate in the talking stage. Get comfortable, get some wine, some coffee, or even better still, get your lover or potential lover listen together. This episode is sure to serve as fodder for your future conversations. My name is Rodney Amokache, and you're welcome to The Young God, a podcast for gods. Yeah. 
stand back. Got to talk. Watch cost. Relationships are a lot like smuggling. First find out what the person wants, then decide if you know how to get it for them. I heard a drug dealer in a TV show say that, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. There's so much to that statement. It accurately captures what relationships are all about. For instance, it compares a relationship to smuggling, of all things. Why? Maybe because relationships aren't easy. Maybe because they're a risky endeavor. Maybe because somebody's bound to get hurt if it isn't approached properly. So that first statement sets up the high stakes of a relationship. It highlights the potentially problematic nature of two people getting emotionally entangled. The second part of the statement, find out what the other person wants. I like that it places the focus on what the other person wants. Most other people are obsessed about what they want and what they can get. Starting with the other person means, if she wants A and I can't get A for her, then it doesn't matter what I want anyway, right? The relationship is dead on arrival. Many, many episodes ago, I said that relationships are like algebra, where you have to solve for X, X being that thing that drops their walls and gives you access to their heart. X varies from person to person. People themselves don't even know what X is for them because the thing that they really want or need is buried beneath all kinds of illusions, misconceptions, falsehoods, and trauma. You really can't trust people to know or say what they really want. So you have to listen and read between the lines. You have to find out for yourself. Which brings me to the last part of that quote. Deciding if you know how to get them what they want. If you think you know what this person wants or needs, do you have the means to get it for them? If the answer is yes, then the seduction will be surgical, precise, and flowing. If you don't, the seduction will be slow, irregular, and unremarkable. Because a lot of the time, people want from us more than we're able to give. And that never ends well. To be the person that is able to figure out what a person wants, you have to be an evolved individual. The sign of an evolved individual is that they're able to attract to themselves what they need and want without someone else having to be at a disadvantage, without having to violate someone else's rights, liberty, and dignity. If relationships are like smuggling, the talking stage is where you find out what that person wants and if you know how to get it for them. So maybe we shouldn't take it personal when things don't go beyond the talking stage. It could be that you both figured out that you can't give each other what you want or that you both want different things. And that's okay. That's a bullet you've dodged. You've saved yourself a lot of trouble. And if you're smart, you've learned a lot about yourself in the process. Then it's on to the next one with better odds. That's a win if you ask me. Another thing that comes up in the talking stage discourse is the length. How much time do two people need in order to know whether to take things to the next level? Three months? Three weeks? In general, people want it ASAP. Wouldn't it be nice for the talking stage to be swift and switch to a relationship? I'm not so sure. The way I see it, a delay is better than a disaster. I've never understood the rush, the rush to commit, the rush to have your heart broken. You lose sight of the person you're dealing with when you rush towards the end goal. And when you lose sight of people, you miss red flags, things you should have seen, things you should have known and noticed. 
Nothing is ever hidden. People are always showing you who they are. We're just usually not paying attention. Slow down. Yeah, yeah, slow it down, girl. Why you too quick? They think y'all look slick in your new kicks. Who that boy standing close, chatting rude shit? Man, I clean up a mouth, toothpick. Besides, each person is different, so each talking stage will be different. People forget that part. That's the problem. Y'all approach everyone the same way, with the same expectations, the same questions, and the same stories. You're tired of talking stages because your own life and story bores you. Of course, the prospect of sharing the same five stories with the 10th person in three months is not an exciting one. If you had dope life experiences to share, you wouldn't be so jaded with the idea of getting to know someone. If you actually saw people as unique beings, you would look forward to hearing something you never heard before. Maybe live life a little before you get into your next talking stage. Maybe get off the stage and go get some life experience. Buff up your resume a little bit so you can have something you're actually excited to talk about. This goes beyond the talking stage. I've listened to people in fulfilling long-term relationships talk about what makes them go, and they often say that they learn new things about their partner all the time, and that keeps the fire burning. Being able to fall in love over and over again, because to love somebody is to know them. Longevity of a relationship depends on the rate of growth of each individual. In other words, if one person seeks the familiar and comfortable while the other is on the pursuit for more, it will be a mismatch. The stagnant person might feel like the other person doesn't want to spend time with them, and the ambitious person feels like they can't share new things. This is the kind of crucial information that people miss in the talking stage. Imagine what else you're missing by not fully engaging in a talking stage. If you're paying attention, the quality of the talking stage is an indication of what to expect going into the actual relationship. It's not just about getting to know them, but getting to know if this relationship can be sustained beyond the physical, if they make good company, and not just a trophy to claim. Fam, the talking stage is not an option. It's literally the determinant of how far and how deep a relationship will go. Don't think that you're saving yourself for the actual relationship. Nah, bring your A-game from day one. Set the tone you want the actual relationship to take. One of my life principles is that you have to do the thing you actually enjoy doing, not the thing you find conceptually exciting. So in relationships, you have to date the person you actually like not the ideal of perfection you fetishize in your mind. Talking stages help separate the reality from the ideal. When I see couples out together, I can actually tell the ones that look like they're having fun. You can't fake fun. When you see fun, you know it. Obviously, everyone would tell you that their relationship is fun. And I'm sure they're having fun sometimes. But a lot of couples are not having fun together. They're really just meeting the expectations they've set for each other. They seem bored or stressed. There's not really that deep sense of joy and play that makes relationships aspirational to me. The couples I admire are probably often stressed out and fight and disappoint each other, but there's a thorough line of playfulness, of really having a great time with the other person, that a lot of relationships lack. Playfulness is something that I look for in the talking stage. Is this person inherently playful? 
not because they have feelings for me. Are they playful on a normal day, on their own? Can they take a joke? Is the idea of fun wholesome and obtainable? Or are they always bored, needing expressive thrills and grand gestures? Do they always find things boring? In three days of talking, I can tell all that and more. Part of the reason that talking stages fail is that y'all are uptight. Too many fears, too many walls. Everybody's in a rush to protect themselves from each other. Sure, yes, you have to defend your castle, but you also have to let down your drawbridge every once in a while. Ask yourself why you have walls. Is it to keep people out or to see who cares enough to scale them or break them down? It's the former for most people. You play hard to get when you should be playing hard to forget. You want everything said so plainly. You want direct answers and absolute statements. No room for ambiguity, for subtlety, for finesse. A good relationship should be like a game of cricket. When the batter hits the ball, it's no fun if the ball comes right into your hand. You know it's fun when you have to dive to catch the ball. This is what playfulness is all about. The difference between being a servant of someone and surrendering to someone is playfulness. Don't make things too easy in the talking stage or in your relationships. Keep the playfulness alive. Leave room for the weird and the wonderful and your life will be fire forever. Let that sink in. Who's there? It's me, the sink. <laughs> Let's take a moment to pause and breathe. Relieve the tension. Whatever you're doing, close your eyes, Take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. One more time. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Let's resume. A book I think everybody should read is The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. If you've been tuning in this season, you'll know that Robert Greene and his books have popped up here and there once or twice. In the future, I'm going to deep dive into The 40 Laws of Power for one episode. So if that's your jam, watch this space. Anyway, I think everyone should read the book Out of Seduction by Robert Greene. It will change your perspective on yourself, the opposite sex, and the talking stage. Y'all call it talking stage. To me, it's just the seduction process. And I know how easy it is to get thrown off by the word seduction. But it's really about cultivating deeper connections with people than they're even aware of. Paying deep, intimate attention to someone is such a seductive act. That act separates you from the mostly distracted, self-rejecting majority. It's the real 1%, the real high-value person. Attention is the purest form of generosity. Let me say that again. Attention is the purest form of generosity. A talking stage requires attention. You have to give each other attention for it to work. If not, 
Why did you ask for or give them your number? If you're not ready to commit to giving them a high level of attention, don't waste each other's time. Attention means responding in a timely manner. It means carrying the other person along. It's showing that you're thinking of them by asking the right questions and sharing the right information. The right amount of attention keeps things flowing and the tension building. The right amount of attention is delightfully disarming. No one can resist it. You also have to ask yourself what you're offering this person, what you want, attachment or connection. The ego seeks attachment. The soul seeks connection. If the goal is to connect, you have to move different. Most of the time, people are distracted, thinking about what they are going to say next, thinking about themselves and their needs. So when they get high quality attention, it feels weird, in a good way. Like you're the only thing in the world they're listening to. That's how you get walls to fall. Your talking stages fail probably because you're both forming and trying to seem uninterested, like you got better things to do. And maybe you do have better things to do, then you shouldn't have gone to the talking stage in the first place. When both people don't show that they value the other person's time and effort, that talking stage is bound to fail. Most importantly, when you give high quality attention, it gives you the opportunity to really see people for what they are. And most people are good and decent, maybe even amazing, if you get past your own biases, if you get out of your own head. What I mean is, typically, if a person is trying to get to know someone, there are certain questions we ask. What do you do? Where are you from? What interests do you have? What things do you dislike? What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? What motivates you? And so on. In the common sense of the idea, getting to know someone means using personal history, personal preferences, and personal intentions to form an image of a person. Then you judge that image as good or bad, interesting or boring, according to your own preferences and frame of reference. That is an effective process for modeling the behavior of others so that you can predict if they will be friend or foe. But it is a survival-based methodology. It does not permit actual knowledge of another living being. In fact, it obscures such knowledge where we don't see people as whole beings, but rather our perceptions of them. Of course, things will get still if that's your approach to getting to know someone. Before you get into another talking stage, you should make the conscious decision to set mental analysis and judgment aside. Set emotionally reactive first impressions aside. Freely give open-ended attention to the other person. Create a true safe space where they can be themselves and not their identities. This is how true connections are formed. This is how you create a world of your own, just for you both. In fact, make it a priority in all your relationships going forward. Connecting with loved ones will be more rich and intimate. Meeting new people will be more sincere and present. And relating to the world around you will be more immediate and playful. Who doesn't want that? That's how you enjoy life. Oh, and by the way, you can follow the podcast on social media. Twitter, at I am the Young God. Instagram, at the Young God Pod. I regularly post exclusive content and updates on events, all kinds of things. You don't want to miss that, so please follow. I want you all to know that I'm with you.
I understand the fear of another failed talking stage, the fear of eating breakfast. But it's helpful to keep in mind that no experience is a waste. Talking stages don't have to be do or die. They can be a good way to kill time, to entertain yourself. They can be a source of education, inspiration, and personal development. And they can be the gateway to a relationship that is rich and meaningful. You decide. Everything has the potential to make your life better if you look beyond your limited wants and needs. It's true that nothing has the potential to hurt so much as loving someone, but nothing heals like it either. It's worth a shot, but you gotta approach it with sense. Personally, I have had the fortune of some legendary talking stages with some remarkable women. I found nothing but satisfaction in my adventures. I like to take my time and weave my way through her mind, her defenses, and into her heart. I like learning about myself through them. A lot of what I understand about people and myself have been through those interactions I've had with women while getting to know them. It's really something I enjoy. In the process, I've had relationships that you can only dream of or, 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 or only read of in books or see in movies. Speaking of books, one of my past dance partners is writing a romance novel using our time together as inspiration. That's amazing. That is like, you have no idea how that makes me feel. Some of them have even gone on to craft some amazing relationships with their true soulmates based on the lessons they learned from our time on the stage. I guess I'm different in that my attitude is fearless and open to all possibilities. I'm not afraid of losing because frankly, I don't lose. I have a life and I have something to offer. This allows me to bring myself fully to the stage and a woman that knows what's up will appreciate that and return the energy. It's not even rocket science. There are two people you'll meet in your life. One will run a finger down the index of who you are and jump straight to the parts of you that pique their interest. The other will take his or her time reading through every one of your chapters and maybe fold corners of you that inspired them the most. It is a given that you'll meet these two people. It's the third one that you'll never see coming. That one person who will not only finish your sentences, but keep the book. The possibility of that third person is what makes talking stages worth the investment every time, at least to me. If you want to become that third person for someone or want to know what that third person looks like, you should listen to the episode titled What Makes a Person Irresistible, Part 3. There's part 1 and 2, but part 3 is where it's at. It's a special drop that will give you a clearer picture of what the person who is going to change your outlook on life might look like. It dropped in 2002, I think, and it's from season 5. There's also a link in the description of this episode. Thank me, Lisa. Now, if you're someone who has lost energy for another talking stage, let this episode be your sign. This is the sign you need to try again, to get on the stage again and talk that talk with someone you are at least attracted to. Don't fuck it up by being basic. Move like a smuggler. And if you're lucky, you'll find that this person is more than their labels or your idea of how a person should be. You'll find someone that is cool, kind, misunderstood, but worth the adventure. You'll find that people are more than meets the eye, bad or good. But you have to open yourself in an uncommon way to really see what they're made of. So that if a talking stage ends, you don't feel cheated or need closure. You can walk away knowing you saw what you needed to see and gain something. 
With all of that said, I wish you the very best in your romantic endeavors this year. Remember, the goal is to find people that make sense and build a connection with them, not an attachment, a connection. For that to happen, you gotta be wise as serpents, playful as penguins, and graceful as a goose. This is the way, and this is the young god. It's got One more thing, just a reminder that every week this month, I will be dropping episodes about love, relationships, and matters of the heart. Each one connected to the last for a thrilling finale. So if you're not subscribed, if you're not following the podcast pages, please do. You're going to want to see where I'm going with this. You will not see this coming. Stay tuned and watch this space. Once again, this is The Young God. It's got talk. It's got talk. It's got talk.